You are listening to the Tour des Flaneurs, the cycling podcast at the 2021 Tour de France, powered by Super Sapiens, energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Stage 9, today we are in Tignes. I personally feel better as the race is going on and yeah, I can say I'm really content and happy and I can almost actually now I think about it more, be proud about being up there with with the top guys of the Tour de France right now. It gives you confidence and it makes me believe that by the end of these three weeks, good things will come. Well, we played in there with the oral equivalent of a famous Twitter meme, how it started, how it's going for Ben O'Connor, because we heard a snippet of his audio diary from last night, and then we heard the crowd cheering. Kate and I were standing one and a half kilometres from the finish. We heard the, the crowd there cheering as he rode past on his way to the stage win in Teen today, and uh, climbed all the way up to second overall as well. At one point, he was... Uh, Virtual Mayo Jean, the yellow jersey. Um, a fantastic performance from him. Today we'll be talking about that in tonight's episode, of course. I'm with Francois Thomaso. Hi there. And Kate Wagner. Hello. Hello. Francois, where are we? We're in a, a small village called La Mazure. It's, 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 it's funny because La Mazure in French means uh, a kind of a derelict house. And the house where we are, are is everything but... Uh, you know, derelict. It's 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 a great place, uh, owned by a friend of the podcast, Simon Lund, and uh, we've been there. Well, several this is our times third now. time. This yeah. is our third time here. Simon very kindly put us up on three occasions. Sadly, he can't be here tonight because he's he's stuck in the UK and it's very difficult to travel at the moment. Um, but he has looked after us very well as he always has done. Um, the fridge is fully stocked. The oven is full and uh, with uh, some roast uh, lamb shoulder in there. So look forward to that a bit later on. It's a great place. Um, thank you again, Simon. Well, an interesting stage, wasn't it? We're, we're going to, uh, perhaps not what we expected. I mean, our, in our predictions for today, we had one name today, Pogacar. Because this, for some people, this was the Queen's stage. Uh, for others, the Andorra stage is, is the Queen's stage. It's a pretty subjective description um it was a tough stage it was in tough weather uh, and i guess we expected the sort of show of strength from pogacar that we saw yesterday but we saw a far more controlled display from him with a flourish at the end uh, we're going to talk about that uh, we're going to talk about o'connor's win we're going to hear from some riders who we spoke to at the start including tailgate and hart and mike woods um, but I'll crack on with the tale of the tap, shall I? Stage 9 from Clues to Teen, a day before the rest day, 144.9 kilometres. Can we call it 145 kilometres, please? Sure. Oh, thank you. Um, DNS's. Yeah. D- By Rog. By Rog. Primoz Roglic did not start. The stage that came to a place where he spends a lot of time, spent a lot of last winter in teen, so it would have been one he was looking forward to. He spent most of his build-up to the tour here. Primoz Roglic did not start, still suffering with his crash injuries from a few days ago and had a, a very tough day yesterday, of course. Seems like a sensible decision. Matthew van der Poel also did not start. He lost the yellow jersey yesterday. Quite a controversial uh, decision. 
it was odd as well that he was dressed in his racing kit at the start and, and, and appeared to go past on his way to signing on, but actually was just going to tell people that he wasn't starting. It's funny because some people were joking that he was going to go ride Leggett's in the, in the mountain bike short. Leger, sorry. <laughs> Cut that. <laughs> we have to actually, you made a terrible error last night, uh, Kate, that a few people have yeah, picked up. Ed- Edmund Burke isn't English, he's Irish. I know, I know. I'm so sorry to the country of Ireland, a place I respect very much. Oh, I think that'll uh, that'll do the job. Um, there were a couple of Irish people complained in very in very polite terms. Uh, Matty van der Poel, though, uh, opting not to start today, having lost the yellow jersey yesterday. Um, he, as I say, quite controversial in that. Um, you know, we had this debate around Caleb Ewan's early withdrawal from the Giro in order to save himself for the tour. That was that was described by some as disrespectful. Including Eddie Merckx, who was seemed to be quiet so far on Van der Poel. I don't know when his newspaper column comes out, but um, Van der Poel obviously pulling out to save himself for the Olympic Games in uh, in Japan. Soon he'll ride the mountain bike racer. Um, he did say he will come back to the Tour next year and ride all the way to Paris. 175 riders did start. It was raining, pretty light at the start, but it got really, really heavy as the stage went on really tough conditions. Um, Benoit Cosnefoy of AG2R Citroen was the first attacker, uh, a sign there of what that team was going to do today. We saw a bit from Dan Martin as well. He had a go, um, but it took a, a while for the, the break to form after several riders had a go. And eventually 43 riders uh, emerged in a group at the front and they raced into a two minute lead quite quickly. Up the Col de Sezi, uh, Nairo Quintana um, went, uh, well, he was first to the top ahead of Michael Woods and Omar Filey. Quintana setting out today to try and take the King of the Mountains jersey, which he eventually did. While Poles, um, a, an attacker on Saturday, was aggressive again today. He was in the King of the Mountains jersey today. Um, but it was, uh, well... Some of the stronger riders in the, the break, the, the stronger climbers in particular, Quintana, Woods, Sergio Aguita, Ben O'Connor, Lucas Hamilton, um, they emerged at the front on the, uh, the Col du Pré, the first or category climb of the Tour de France this year. And then Quintana went away on his own before the summit. Aguita and O'Connor bridged across, and uh, those three looked as if they might stay away to contest the stage. But the cold and the rain really played havoc. O'Connor um, got dropped, actually, on the descent of the Cormet de Rosalon. Um, and he seemed to be really suffering with the cold at that point. Quite surprising to see the two Colombians apparently coping better. But it was a day when I think the, the management of your resources, the eating, fueling, and uh, wearing the right clothing was so so important and it was a you know a stage where that really either paid off or didn't on that final long climb up to teen um, O'Connor came back to the two Colombians in the valley before Bourg Saint-Maurice um, where the climb up to teen really begins Quintana and Aguita both uh, really suffered and eventually came in well down apparently Quintana suffered a hunger flat um, and then O'Connor dropped Igita. Uh, behind UAE Team Emirates were controlling things, but also seemed happy to let the lead go out to quite a big distance. At one point, as I say, Ben O'Connor was a virtual Mayo Jean. He'd started the day 
over seven minutes down on GC. Um, but um, the, it was it, it didn't look likely in the end, especially when on the climb up to Teen, first Ineos Grenadiers set the pace to maybe set up Richard Carapaz, but that didn't really happen. All they did was set up Tadej Pogacar in the yellow jersey today. Um, he was isolated, but it didn't matter. He looked incredibly comfortable. And when he took off at about four kilometres from the top, three kilometres from the top, he just made it look incredibly easy. There are, you know, as we mentioned that we touched on it briefly last night, the, the suspicions, the doubts that come with such a, an incredible performance where he is so superior to everybody else. And we'll touch on that a bit later on in the episode two. Um, as I say, the Colombians suffered really badly. Um, and in the end, O'Connor won the stage by an enormous... We're seeing a lot of surprising things in this tour. The, the gaps in the top 10 are enormous. The gaps today were huge. You know, Ben O'Connor won the stage by five minutes seven from Mattia Catania, who's been very impressive. They took kind of quick step right Italian in um, the last couple of days. Sonny Cobrelli, third. I mean, <laughs> extraordinary. A sprinter who can climb, but today was a big alpine stage. Sonny Cobrelli, third. Uh, Guillaume Martin, fourth. Frank Bonamore, fifth. And Pogacar in six, six minutes, two down on the line. Yeah, if you would have told me at the beginning of the day that Sonny Cobrelli would beat Guillaume Martin, uh, I would have laughed at you. But sometimes truth is stranger than fiction. Indeed. And, and sometimes Bar Bahrain is either victorious or not far from. Well, no, they weren't <laughs> far off it. Although, yeah, I mean, really bizarre performance. But he's going for the green jersey and he moved up three places in that competition today and is a little bit closer to Mark Cavendish, who had a tough day finishing within the time limit. He was shepherded across the line by Michael Morkov and Tim DeClerc, our audio diarist. Hopefully hear from him soon on his tough day, but they made it within the time limit. Uh, the big loser on GC Day was Wout Van Aert. He dropped 18 places to 20th. There can be no doubt now that uh, Jumbo Visma um, are all about Jonas Vingegaard, who is fourth overall. He climbed the place as Van Aert plummeted down GC. On GC, uh, Pogacar is leading O'Connor up to second at 2 minutes 1. Uran at 5.18. Vingegaard at 5.32. Carapaz at 5.33. And Mass at 5.47. Quintana's in the King of the Mountains jersey ahead of Michael Woods. And before we finish the tale of the tap, I want to give a mention to Dill Davis, friend of the podcast, who's just completed writing every stage and the bits in between in a month. Basically doing a Lachlan Morton, but a bit ahead of him. He's been raising money for Bowel Cancer UK, Bloodwise, Bernardo's, and Bike for Cancer. Well done, Dill. A fantastic effort. And I think Francois and I are going to meet you for coffee um, in a week or so. The Cycling Podcast at the 2021 Tour de France, powered by Super Sapiens. Energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Still guessing on fueling? Not sure what or when to eat and drink on rides that matter? Never again. Optimize your fueling strategy with real-time glucose data, actionable insight, and personalized analytics. We are here to help you achieve your performance goals. Go to supersapiens.com for more on how to track your energy levels and fuel for success. 
Thank you very much indeed to our title sponsor, Super Sapiens. We are very grateful to them for their support, and we're running a competition with them. You can win three months' worth of Super Sapiens sensors to monitor your blood glucose levels. Um, whatever cycling goal or ambition you have, um, if you think Super Sapiens might be able to help you, drop us a line. Well, actually, don't drop us a line. Drop us an audio clip of less than 60 seconds telling us how you would use Super Sapiens. The entry we're going to hear from tonight comes from Nigel. Good afternoon, one and all. Now, I'm sure there are thousands of people gearing up for grand athletic challenges or who struggle with health conditions, for whom Super Sapiens would be a right game changer. I'm not one of them, though. I'm wildly more ignoble because my issue is I just love eating rich, heavy food way too much. And this quite often clashes with my pedalling about bike bike. So my pitch is please send me a Super Sapiens prize and I'll use it to find out the optimal time to fill my face with all the fattiest, cheesiest, booziest, puddingiest of gastronomy without impinging too dramatically on my love of cycling. Thanks. Thanks for that, Nigel. Kate greatly enjoyed your entry, and, and I did too, and I think Francois did too. So thank you for that. Um, go to thecyclingpodcast.com to find out how to enter our Super Sapiens competition. Uh, before we get into the stage, let's deal with the, the news this morning. Roglic's withdrawal, not a surprise and probably sensible given the, the obvious pain he was in on Saturday, struggling just to finish the stage, really. Uh, Matthew van der Poel, who had been in the yellow jersey and pulled out to prepare for the Olympics, I'd say a bit more controversial. Where do you stand on that, Francois? I think he was, he, he never actually said, you know, uh, strictly speaking, that he would finish the tour. I mean, it, it was obvious. It's already hard enough for the guys to win the, the road race to, you know, because it's the same kind, kind of effort uh, during the tour to, uh, you know, keep in shape for the tour. But Mathieu van der Poel will have to switch to something, well, not completely different, of course, but rather different. Uh, it was actually followed, like, the, the tour route was actually followed by World Cup, uh, legs, uh, mountain biking, you know, like, like mm. it's always close to the tour to finishes, like like kind of nagging. Teasing Mathieu. him. Teasing, yeah, teasing him. him, you know, tell, telling him, uh, Mathieu, Mathieu, we want you back. And I guess he realized yesterday uh, it was time to, uh, you know, the, the, he, he was probably wasting far too much energy trying to save the jersey and it was it was useless. And we've started to see the trend coming. I think we'll, we'll have a couple more um, riders, you know, d decided that maybe their, their goals are at the end of the season. Like we saw last year, Julien Lafilippe kind of uh, holding back a little because his big goal was the World Championships. I, I had a long talk to, um, and you read it in the Figaro soon, uh, with um, with Thomas Vöckler, the uh, who is also the French national selector uh, who, who who lost a couple of his well his, his main favorites uh, for the Olympics are not there Pinot as Thibaut Pinot as you know is injured Julien Lafilippe said he would would not do the Olympics and uh, Romain Bardet well his team said he would not be doing the Olympics because they, they have further goals which is uh, you know uh, the, namely the Vuelta uh, it's it's a bit of a tricky situation for lots of uh, riders there because the the teams are paying the bills actually are paying the wages and so uh, you know the, the team priorities are well are the team the, the riders priorities but this said, for, for someone like Mathieu van der Poel to go from mountain biking is obviously the, the, the right decision. For others, I, I talked to 
well, Michael Woods this morning, uh, because Thomas Vöckler said, for in his mind, Woods would be one of the favorites for the Olympics, and um, and I asked him if he was going to hold back a little, you know, just to keep strength for uh, the Olympics, and and Mike Woods said he was very honored to be picked as a favorite by Thomas Vöckler, but in the same time, he he, he thought the, the best preparation for the. The, the Olympics was actually to to go for it and 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 you know and ride as hard as you could during the the tour. So same thing. I, I talked to Benoit Cosnefroy, as you said, the first attacker today, who was on home terrain, um, and he said the same. Uh, you know, to, to try to hold back is not the thing to do at all. It's, it's good to hold back if you want to win a tour stage, but if you want to to you know to build up your form ahead of. Of the Olympics, um, the the best way is actually to um, to to go for it. And then the last little thing about it, uh, what, what Vöckler told me, they actually plan long in advance the Olympic campaign, like you know, uh, uh, booking the first the, the first flights out of the tour on the Sunday evening after the tour uh, to 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 Japan, hiring nutritionists, hiring you know time specialists to see at what time it, it was best to arrive in Japan to not to feel the jet lag. I mean, it's, nothing's been left to chance. So I guess the other teams have been doing the same. So, you know, uh, somewhere so backstage, the battle for the Olympics has started. Yeah, I don't have a problem with Matthew van der Poel. I don't, I don't think he uh, respects the tour by just by carrying on and finishing the gruppetto every day. Um, by not adding to it, he's not, his presence is really neither here nor there. He has respected the tour by lighting it up in the first week and riding the way that he has. And just like Caleb Ewan, they're professional athletes. Um, the tour is not diminished by his absence from the Gruppetto every day. Um, the race is, has it's moved on to a different storyline, hasn't it? I think that cycling is best respected when cyclists respect their own limits and respect their own bodies rather than destroy themselves for something that they know is not going to happen. Like Matthew Vanderpool would have been in the Gruppetto today, just like you said. And what's the point of all of that suffering, really? when he has other goals in mind. That's completely legitimate. I don't think it has anything to do with respect or disrespect. I think that's just a part of the professionalization of the sport. Talking of Gruppetto this morning, I had a, nice, <laughs> I had a funny line from Yvon Madio, the Groupama FDJ uh, team boss. You know, he knows a lot about the Gruppetto because Arnaud Demar was uh, in the Gruppetto for the two days in succession and uh, Filippo Garnieri was uh, outside the time cut today and he said well, so he stayed with his car with, with Arnaud Demar who was uh, unwell and he said well, really talking about yesterday to find yourself in the Gruppetto with uh, Chris Froome, uh, Alejandro Valverde uh Garen Thomas and Primoz Roglic is, 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 is something that's happened once in my life. Some gruppetto. Yeah, that will probably never happen again. <laughs> something I forgot to mention, I should have mentioned, uh, because we witnessed Nick Dlamini finishing today, the last rider on the road. He crashed early in the stage. Um, first uh, black South African to ride the race. And unfortunately, he's out of it. And I finished outside the time limit. Um, and... You know, speak about respecting the race, he certainly did. And it was nice, as one or two people observed, that uh, his team, um, Quebeca, next hash, le left a car behind him too to support him because he really was a long way down and, and struggling to finish. But he did finish. And, you know, his goals, his ambitions here are totally different to someone like Matthew van der Poel's. And it's a, sh it's a great shame that he's out of the race, but he certainly did respect it by... Um, making it to the finish today. Um, but Ben O'Connor uh, was at the other 
the other end of proceedings. Um, this was the, the local stage for his team. They're based around Chambéry. We passed Chambéry in the car today. Um, he's been a great signing for that team. I mean, he a few years ago, he came to our attention as a real prospect. He had a couple of difficult years, um, but really found his mojo again at the Giro d'Italia last year. Won a stage. AG2R had actually signed him before the Giro. The signing was announced during the Giro, much to Doug Ryder's displeasure at his, his team, which was then NTT, now um, Quebec and next hash. I really have to think about that before I say it. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that was didn't go down very well, the announcement, but he's been a great signing for them. They've not had a great year. And today, I mean, went close to taking the yellow jersey, but won a fabulous stage and has more than repaid the faith that they've shown in him by they've already offered him a, a, a quite a big contract extension. Yeah, re really vindicated uh, Citroën. Citroen. Uh, it, it was really crucial for them, and he, he really paid his dues because uh, you know new sponsor, a big sponsor, sponsor Citroen, of course. Uh, and 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 they they've had that their worst years in for for, for yeah for many seasons. Uh, they won the Grand Prix de la Marseillaise with the uh, Aurélien Parépin. They won Paris Camembert uh, with Damien Godon. And I think that was about it. I think you no know, Benoit Cosnefroy won the Tour du Finistère. But I mean they, these are you know really third category uh, races. So. Uh, also, the signings that, that made the big signings that made uh, this season to replace Romain Bardet, who went to, to DSM, uh, Bob Jungels, well, uh, had really serious health issues and, and was never uh, the rider we've, we've known in the past. Uh, Greg Van Avermaet was well. Uh, well, you know, you know, I'm a, I'm a great fan of, of Greg, but I mean, let, let's face it, he's, he's been trying hard. He's been there near the, the, the top in the classics and in, in the various races he entered, but never totally found his, you know, his ways of old. Uh, and, 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 and then, you know, really, really Ben O'Connor, well, really, you know, saved in, in many ways, saved their, their, their season. And now he's, you know, second in the GC, 201. Uh, behind Tadej Pogacar, when you see the rest, <laughs> I heard one of my colleagues say, you know, there, there were there were two Gruppettos today. There, there, the Gruppetto at the back and the Gruppettos of the, uh, you know, the the the, <laughs> the beaten uh, ones. Like you know, all these guys had be, between five, you know, five minutes in the five to six minute uh, margin behind uh, Pogacar, and and then and then there's Ben O'Connor. What what is he capable of doing? I mean, we saw in the in the Giro uh, when he won that stage that he he had the means to do well uh, in the mountains. The the the, the, the Giro did. I, I think he already did top 20 in a Grand Tour, which proves he had, he had the ability. So with, with with that motivation of being the, maybe the guy, you know, the the, the pebble in the shoe or whatever you want to call him, uh, of, of Tadej Pogacar, uh, it might be great motivation for, for him, for the team. And um, well, I'm, I'm excited to see what, what, you know, how, how far he'll finish um, in Paris. But, but it, I mean, really glad because what a great effort he is hands were blue uh, uh, at the finish uh, he really yeah he really was amazing and and and, and he's also a nice guy I mean that's uh, well evident in the audio diaries exactly. and and I mean he is keeping on he will be busy tonight so we're not confident we'll get an audio diary from him tonight but we'll definitely feature in the next 
episode of Kilometer Zero to feature the Rider Diaries. So it'll be fascinating to hear um, his experience. We did, well, we did hear some of his thoughts at the end. Let's let's hear them now. Um, speaking to Ashley House of Eurosport. Such a big group went. Uh, we had to have someone there, and I think the guys had some big days yesterday. Uh, it was yeah, it was a huge day yesterday. So. I managed to make it across, and then I was thinking the whole time, oh, do I go, do I not? <laughs> what a god. Thank you so much. So I, I had no idea what, what to do. And when uh, Mike and Quintana, and, yeah, you, you knew it was a, a proper move to, to follow, and when the time gaps went out, you, you knew you could win. So, yeah, it was it was magic. It was absolutely magical. It was 15k to go, you attacked. At one point, you were virtual yellow jersey as well. What was going through your mind those last 15k? Not virtual yellow, and it was just control. Uh, I just wanted, I, I knew if I was away, I could trust my strength on, on climbs and, and believe I could win. So it was just important that uh, I control myself uh, and not get too, yeah, not blow my load too early. <laughs> Science in Sport is supporting the cycling podcast at the 2021 Tour de France. Science in Sport, fueled by science. Thank you very much to Science and Sport, our sponsor. Very grateful to them for their long-standing support. And if you want 25% off all your Science and Sport products, go to scienceandsport.com and enter the code SISCP25. There we go. Thank you, Kate. Um, yes, thank you to Science and Sport again. And a reminder that on Sundays, we run our Super Sunday competition. Uh, guess the winner and you stand a chance of winning £80 worth of Science and Sport goodies. Lionel Burney is administering this prize. I don't know if anybody picked Ben O'Connor. I'm sure they did. Um, but we don't have a winner yet, so I'm waiting for word from Lionel on that, and we might get it tomorrow, in which case it'll be in tomorrow's episode. Tomorrow's episode is our press conference episode. Um, send in your questions. still time. Uh, we've got lots, however. Uh, send an audio file, please, to contact at thecyclingpodcast.com. Thank you very much. Um, Tadej Pogacar. I mean, Tadej, he, Tadej, <laughs> he 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 uh sort of uh, you know just just underlined again his superiority today it was a day where they let the the group go out they weren't didn't seem bothered about the stage win um they seemed happy to control things and control things they pretty much did apart from a, a scare when Brandon McNulty rode off the road at some point while at the front um haven't heard how he is but we assume he's okay we'll try and find out um and we'll tell you before the end of this episode, actually. But um, it was it was a day where it looked, he looked completely in control again. He was left without any teammates in the end. But you know, Ineos Grenadiers put in this big effort, and then Pogacar just swatted them away like flies. Um, <laughs> you know, it wasn't so much that he attacked; it was almost like everybody else was dropped, yeah. and he just 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 rode away. He, he's he's making it look easy, and that is making some people feel uncomfortable. I mentioned last night that there was already some skepticism about his performance yesterday in particular. I had messages from a couple of listeners who felt that I was dismissive of that skepticism by, and I wasn't intending to be at all because it's completely legitimate. Um, but I was mentioning that in a way, you know, the emergence of Pogacar and his performance here in his second Tour de France is is similar to other great riders who have proven to be 
you know, the, the best riders of their generation. Eno was the one that I was comparing him to in particular. Um, and I have this feeling that's you know, certainly yet to be proven, but because of his age, I think people think that he's going to perhaps dominate for 10 years. Uh, the, the past evidence suggests that, you know, no matter what age a rider emerges, there's a sort of, there's a sort of lifespan to, uh, uh, you know, a kind of cycle of dominance uh, where I can imagine that this might be the best Pogacar we ever see in this tour. That that has often been the case that in these dynasties, injuring Eno, others, the second tour win is is the one where they are at their very very best and then there's a very subtle slight gradual erosion over the years but who knows yeah actually i want to read something that my colleague at my newsletter jackson roman wrote about about pog that kind of really kind of ties into this he said this was written yesterday when when pagacha had won this well he didn't win the stage but he basically secured the gc where he said soon you know tade will trade out those white garments and in doing so shed the trappings of innocent exuberant youth in favor of a regal yellow he will guard as kings defend thrones he will be an avatar of majesty to some and a, and tyranny to others he is still far too young to have considered the impermanence of greatness and the inevitability of eventual Ozymandian decline and far too soft-spoken to insist that his foes look upon his works and despair and yet, having struck out today with a brutal blow, the violence of which man- matches his frenetic style on the bike, he has made plain his intentions. Tade Pagacha is no longer content to be anyone's boy prince. And, you know, I've called him the boy prince for a while now. And I think it's appropriate to switch that title to the boy king. Well, it's funny because it kind of echoes, you know, I'm kind of... <laughs> I'm kind of making self, you know, advertising by the... Uh, you're my, both my, doing it. Kate's here plugging her blog. My job for the figure. But yeah, that, that, that's the story I'll be carrying tomorrow. But that, that, that's the fear I have. And I have no, uh, once again, let's be clear about it. I have no opinion about it. I, I, it's just a fact. I, you know, just a fact that you, we, we've noticed for, well, for the last... Uh, 25 years now since the, the Fessina scandal. I, I, I often say, you know, cycling lost uh, its innocence uh, with the uh, Fessina scandal and then, you know, further uh, uh, doping scandals, uh, you know, made it, turn it into more and more of an uh, uh, sadly uh, uh, adult sport. But uh, I think the best, you know, the, the, the most serious rival, the most serious uh, opponent for um uh, Tadej Pogacar now is suspicion that that's that's the the number one enemy he's going to have to fight for the rest of the tour and 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 maybe for the rest of his career because I mean you your uh, listeners and us we're all on on the social media and 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 we've seen on the social networks what uh, already you know the tweets the uh, Facebook posts and uh, uh, that you know already questioning the performance you know and you've got all these what's and. Uh, calculations and stuff and comparisons we, we I, I have no way of, of, of knowing whether you know I, I should trust the uh, Pogacar uh, yet there's always you know it's always twofold yes of course you know so some of the staff members at uh, UAA team members uh, have a dodgy past others uh, you know quite the opposite are kind of you know warrants of, of, of morality like Alan Paper or Jakob Swartz was you know guys were looking after the Pogacar Charles performances, but regardless of 
everything we know and the facts we know, the, what we know for a fact is that, you know, the same as Griff Room, you know, got hell at times from the crowds on the on, on the roadside, the, the, the same as, and I'm not comparing the, the, these guys, but the same as Lance Armstrong had, had to suffer the same thing, the, the same as Bradley Wiggins had to answer doping questions when he won the tour in 2012. We, we, we already had one question in the press conference today, which was, well, vaguely, um, you know, well, misunderstood by uh, Tali Pogacar. I didn't have to uh, reply to it in the end. But th this will be coming. This will be looming. And, and, and we, he showed that on the bike, he is really strong. I mean, the, the, by far the best. And, and he'll, you know, he'll, he'll cope. There is no, um, no, no, no question about it. But... That there is something much, you know, trickier to handle, and that's this kind of of suspicion and rumor. And we've seen with the pandemic that uh, not only the pandemic didn't end, didn't end this kind of trend towards uh, rumor, uh, you know, uh, fake news and accusations and uh, cancellations, and you know, we're, we're in a in a in a, in an age of belief more than in an age of reason, and and so people, some some people already believe, oh, yeah, you know, uh, Pogacar is impossible, is uh, a doper, and others uh, believe the, the opposite. There, there is, it's very difficult to reconcile the, 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 the you know, those two uh, camps, and um, I think that's the, 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 the biggest challenge facing Tadej Pogacar now, is to fend off this, uh, which is this, you know, thing that's bubbling. Suspicion. Yeah, I, I, and we saw it a lot with with Froome. Uh, obviously, the problem in when we're in a dynasty, um, uh, which I hope we're, we're I hope we're not. But when we are in a dynasty, um, there's nothing else to talk about as well. There's there, there's a there's there's less interest in the the sporting competition and and more interest, more focus on on one rider who becomes a lightning rod, um, and and the the performances uh, are are so in this case, so superior that the, the question is absolutely inevitable. I mean, you know, if you look at the team, you mentioned Alan Piper. Um, you know, Piper is somebody who's worked for some teams. He's been, he's a very honest guy. Um, we had a, Lionel did an interview with him after the, the tour last year, which was quite moving. He's um, been suffering from cancer for a few years. He's not here at the tour this year because of his cancer treatment. Um, Piper has always been quite an honest guy, despite having doped in his own career, as so many riders did. But he's worked for teams which, with a pretty clear commitment to anti-doping since then. His coach is Inigo San Milan, uh, a Spaniard who uh, works at the University of Colorado. He's an assistant professor there, um, does clinical and research work in diabetes and cancer. And he's got a whole other career going on. Um, and he coaches... Uh, Pogacar, I did an interview with him last year after Pogacar won the tour. It was fascinating to find out how he did that, how he wakes up in the morning in Colorado and gets on training peaks and sees what Pogacar has done, checks in with him. Um, and, you know, he's coached him for a couple of years now and identified him from the start as somebody with exceptional talent, exceptional recovery, which is, doesn't augur well for weeks two and three of the tour. Um, but he's tended to get better as his first two Grand Tours have gone on. So Sam Milan is, is another um, person certainly on his, in his camp, on his side, who works very closely with him, has a lot, um, a lot at stake in terms of his professional reputation. Mauro Gianetti, on the other hand, and Machin Fernandez, um, they've been around cycling for a long time and were both involved in the Sonia Duval team, which had numerous doping scandals. 
Um, and then the Geox team, uh, where you know, Kobo was riding for Geox in 2011, won the Vuelta and was eventually busted for doping there as well. So a bit of a history there. Gianetti, um, allegations around his own cycling career too in the 90s. Euron Swart is the other one you mentioned briefly there. Um, uh, Francois, he's head of medicine at UAE Team Emirates. He's worked in anti-doping in South Africa for many years. as a coach, also a physiologist, doesn't coach the riders. Um, he's coached other riders like Ashley Moman Passio in the past. And um, yeah, Jeroen Swartz's uh, reputation is, is, you know, and his integrity is not, has not been questioned at all. But it, that, that's the, the very curious thing about this team. There are these kind of two camps and it's, a, it's an unlikely marriage in a lot of ways. Um, but this question is going to be, become more intense. He's going to be asked it. He didn't hear it tonight when he was asked it. He didn't. It wasn't clear, and we're dealing with a situation now where we have these press conferences where we are in a, a separate room and we're connected digitally, and it's it's not the, the the technology isn't always great, and he didn't hear the question properly tonight about suspicion and doubt. So, but he will be asked it again, and it will, especially if if he is in this position that he's in of being dominant and and um, being the the likely winner of the tour, then it will be a question that's asked every day. Well, at the start this morning, we spoke to some riders who um, have been and, and will be protagonists, certainly, in this race. Mike Woods, um, you know, lost time on day one. He was involved in at least one crash and uh, came in quite far down. But he's been he's been off the leash and on the attack. And um, I'm no doubt at all that he'll keep trying. Because as he told you, Francois, he wants to go as deep as, as he can in this race in order to prepare for the Olympic Games road race. Um, so I grabbed a quick word with him this morning. How was yesterday? I mean, I know it's the day you, you targeted. Disappointed in the end? Uh, disappointed with the result, but not in how I performed. I raced as best as I could, and uh, proud of how I raced. Just two guys were stronger than me. What did you make of Pogacar? I mean, were you aware that how far behind he was and how fast he was coming up? Yeah, and uh, it was just incredible. Uh, I knew I had three and a half, four minutes on him going into the final climb, but even then, I knew how I heard how fast he was coming on me. And I started thinking, oh man, he's going to catch. And like as unbelievable as that sounded at the time, I just knew it. Like you could see when I looked back visually, just pushing the big ring and flying. Uh, yeah, trying to even sit on him in the last 500 meters was impossible. He was rolling. Is, can anybody beat him in the Tour de France? Feels like a silly question, but do you think anybody can? <laughs> at the moment, that is a silly question. <laughs> no, no, but uh, it's a three-week race. You know, crazy things have happened. Look at last year. I thought Roglic was unbelievable, unbeatable, and. And Pogacar had the time trial of, of uh, the last 30 years. So anything can happen. We'll see. And what about you, Mike? What are your goals? I mean, is today a day that you, you fancy having another go or are you looking a bit further into the race? Yeah, for sure. I'm going to try today. Um, but uh, you never know how the legs are going to feel after yesterday. And uh, yeah, just continue racing aggressively. That's that's my style and that's how I'm going to race. That was Mike Woods. I also spoke to another rider who um, well, came into this race with a lot of expectation around him and his team, Teo Gegenhart, the Giro d'Italia winner, of course. It hasn't gone well for him and for them. And uh, I think they're in a quite difficult place, an unusual place for them, and it will be fascinating to see how they respond to that. Um, but here was Teo Gegenhart at the start this morning. Well, you had, a, you had a go yesterday. We saw you on the attack. I mean, is that, you know, what what, what, what are your thoughts about it? So you obviously had involved in the crash on day one. Have you been struggling to get over that physically? Yeah, I wasn't really having a go. It was more just we had the idea to have someone there. And, yeah, of course, anyway, knew that was going to split on that downhill. So if you go over in the first five, six, which I did, then you 
finish also in the, the first five or six, which which I did. So yeah, it was probably 70k's. I would say uh, more or less groups going, 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 and was joking with Castro earlier that I think I was in most of them apart from the one which which went. But that's also doesn't really matter because the idea was just to have someone there and, and to be honest was never really to to go for the stage it was just us looking for um, pretty much what happened but yeah of course in a different situation we were hoping that Richard would be would be going you know for taking time but in the end still worked well to have to have Castro up there and yeah in my opinion it's never bad to have someone up the road even when you have a GC guy because it's just another card to play in the end. What was the post-mortem last night? Because, you know, two days ago, Carapaz looked, looked you know, the, the best of the, the rest, if you like. And yesterday, again, it was the same, but, you know, he couldn't hold on to Pogacar, and Pogacar's clearly in a in a different league, isn't he? What what was the kind of debrief last night? What is the podium now the, the, the main aim for Carapaz? Ah, I think, to be honest, it doesn't really work like that in the Grand Tour. Everyone needs to switch off after the stage. There's no post-mortem, like like you're kind of suggesting. Uh, I think he has to take confidence from the fact that he, yeah, like you say, he was clearly the the best guy or the next best guy. And um, yeah, I mean, it's hard for him that he rode so well two days in a row and, and took zero seconds. But, you know, he's not going to be like that if he keeps, which he will, riding in that way, then it's not going to be the same way every day. So, uh yeah, I think we just we just keep focused on our race, and yeah, I mean, obviously, it was a pretty spectacular performance yesterday from uh, Tadej, but you know, there's also not typical conditions for the tour, for example, and still a lot of racing to come. Also, it's not over. No, I mean, never is it. And Kate, you spoke to Jonas Vingegaard of Jumbo Visma. Can you say his name better than I can? Jonas Vingegaard. That is much better. Yeah, you spoke to him at the start this morning. Let's hear from him now. Uh, rough day yesterday. What happened? Uh, yeah, I uh, I crashed. I uh, I hit a hole in the downhill, and then I my hand slipped off the um, of the of the handlebar, and yeah, then uh, I actually I saved it, but then I was hitting a rear wheel of the guy in front of me, and then uh, I tried to brake, but then yeah, uh, it was already too late, and I slid out. Are you feeling okay this morning? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit sore, and the, the, the yeah, I guess we will see how, how I feel on the on the bike. But but I'm at least I'm a bit sore, and uh, I'll try to do my best. So. Uh. Yeah. And uh, Primoz is gone now, so that means that the, the emphasis is now all on you. Do you feel any pressure? Or are you? Uh... No, I mean, uh, the team is is not putting any pressure on me, and I take it quite easy. So so yeah, it's. Uh, we will see day by day, and I'll try to do my best. And if it's a fifth place, it's a fifth place. And if it's a 20th place, it's a 20th place. So, uh, yeah, I take it easy. That was Jonas Vingegaard up to fourth overall. And he has to be the focus now for Jumbo Visma, surely. Um, they've still got a very strong team here, despite having lost Roglic. And uh, Robert Hessink, of course, a little bit earlier. I thought, I got the impression Vingegaard had a bad day today he was suffering a bit struggling to hang on at times it looked like he didn't look all that comfortable but then he did crash yesterday as he told you so um with the rest day tomorrow and chance to recover maybe he will you know be the maybe he'll be one of the revelations of this year's race because he's still a very young danish rider um, and a great prospect for that team 
What can you tell us about the culture here, Francois? What are your What are your notes for today? Well, the, 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 on the cycling culture front, uh, the, the, we could say that the, the the most successful local rider was Egan Bernal, because he won a stage of the Tour de, de, du Pays de Savoie in Cluse in 2017, and nearly won a stage in Tin in the 2019 Tour, as we know. I mean, Simon Yates might object to that. Um, he also won a stage in saint foy tarentaise in 2017 in the same uh, in the Tour de l'Avenir I think it was so so in this in this valley uh, Egan Bernal has always done well it's kind of unfortunate he was not uh, here today um, and anyway and the other odd, odd fact was that Ben, ben O'Connor is actually could be considered the first real winner of a state Tour de France stage in Tignes because the, the only other rider to have won a stage here was Michael Rasmussen and he was in the Tour when you know, when he was kicked off by his own team for, uh, well... Not being clear about his whereabouts. Exactly. That's what that's the, 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 the exact situation. Uh, word of the day <clears throat> would be glacier. Why glacier? Because Tignes, if you know, if you know about Tignes a little bit, and, and I know there are lots of, uh, you know, foreigners, uh, Britons, and from all nationalities, keen in the Tarantes Valley, uh, where, you know, whether in, in Tignes or Val d'Isère, and 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 you can ski almost all year round in Tin because there's a there's a famous glacier and 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 you know where we were today at the finish of the stage was at the foot of the of, of the glacier. Uh, glacier also means in French a guy who sells ice cream or iceman, and in a way an iceman. Yes, is that what you call him? <laughs> yeah. a tennis man, a rugby man, iceman. No, no, we call him glacier. No, a glacier is someone who who sells ice cream. So it's an ice cream retailer. Or I, I don't know what you. I don't. I, I, I uh, how do you, well, you call it? How would you call it in English? Someone. I think we've got a specific name for a man who sells ice cream or a woman who sells ice cream. <laughs> but I do. I did enjoy when I learned that in in France. A tennis player is called a tennis man, is, and a rugby yeah, player is a rugby man. Whatever, however, a glacier is, is really a man who sells, uh, or a woman who would be a glacier, uh, who, who sells uh, um, uh, ice. Because in the old days, also, you, it was it was a real work. You know, glacier. They were they were going up the mountain uh, in the snow, and they were they were putting uh, you know ice in 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 caves and stuff. And it was being used in the summer to 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 refresh their drinks and their food and everything. To so there you are. And, and in, in a way, by the way, it kind of freezes the tour from now on. Tade Pogacar, the Ice Man Tade Pogacar. There was a bit of an edge from Pogacar today in the press conference when he was asked about his team and whether his team was weak. He 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 was a bit, and this you know he's been so cool and calm and unruffled, and he was ever so slightly ruffled by that question about his team and and a bit defensive about it. That when the questions do come about his integrity, um. We could, we might see another side of him. He's he's not entirely ice cool. Not entirely ice cool. <laughs> uh, the, the the last thing I have to say about glaciers, you know, I like to make my little, from time to time, kind of awareness, uh, little remarks. The, the the glaciers all around the Alps and all around these regions, uh, especially at the Mont Blanc uh, and others uh, all around the French Alps, are really disappearing, vanishing one after the other, like like a peloton in the Tour de France at the end, reaching Paris. They're really like it's by you know dozen dozen of meters every year. I mean it's spectacular when you watch uh, 
old postcards of the you know the early 20th century the same glacier have, have lost like you know hundreds of meters sometimes uh, you know half mile a half a mile so yeah something's going on there uh, which is well you know I'll leave it to you to to decide what you know what what the future of the planet is but uh, obviously the glaciers are, are a really really uh, bad sign of uh, where, where, where we're heading for and yeah so I, I needed to say that cheese of the day to go back to something a little bit more uh, well it, frivolous the, yeah um, I, I, I could have gone, gone for Beaufort it would have been the the, the, the thing to do because in the Tantes it, it and the, it's, it's close to uh, Beaufortin which is the, the region where the Beaufort cheese is, is made but we'll we, we probably talk about it uh, another time because in Tignes they have a special cheese that's very interesting it's called Persillé de Tignes it's interesting because only one farm still makes it it, it was very popular Uh, in the old days, uh, it's made of. We, we were, in, we as, as I said yesterday, we, we moved to you know um, goat cheese area to cow cheese area, and this cheese is made of both milks. But only one farm still does it because it was it kind of got lost the recipe and and the the habit of of, of uh, you know eating that cheese it kind of disappeared. When Tigne, so if you know the story of Tigne, yeah, and if you've seen the, the, the images on TV, you've got a huge dam, uh, uh, you know, crossing the valley uh, um, from well from the bottom of Val d'Isère to Tigne, and and the, the old village of Tigne is is in the lake, um, uh, you know, beneath uh, the dam, and so well, kind of a culture, all, all the all the history of the village disappeared with the dam. They re, they re, they rebuilt the church of uh, the Tigne village. The, 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 so similar re replica you've got now in, in the, the new village from the old uh, church in, in the other village and, and the Persier de Tignes nearly disappeared and, and only this farm keeps doing it it's uh, the, the woman is because the woman who owns the farm is called Paulette Marmottan and see if you go to Tignes really try it uh, we might have it because we, we, well there are some we, local we, cheese we, in the yeah, fridge absolutely we, we, we'll have a look maybe we, we have some and if we do uh, we'll taste it and, and tell you what we think about it but I, th I think I had it before and it was it was excellent so if you if you go to, if you come to Tignes for skiing or cycling or whatever Look out for Persier de Tine. That's uh, you know a real treat. A curious fact of the day. I mentioned uh, I mentioned Tine already. Um, you know, and the dam. Uh, we, we actually the, the 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 two towns the the, the towns where we started from to the Cluse and the town where we finished with the Tine were both you know entirely almost entirely destroyed by elements because uh, while Tine was destroyed by the the the, the lake was drowned. Uh, Cluse was destroyed by fire in 1844 and had to be rebuilt almost from scratch. So, I mean, they, they, we went from tragic to tragic and in the end for Ben O'Connor to, well, pretty untragic, like glory. So. Glory, absolute glory. Well, yeah, I'm looking forward to tucking into the cheese and the lamb before that. Absolutely. It's delicious. Um, And so the, the song of the day, um, I, I sent you a little. Uh, I sent a little clip. It, it's a it's a kind of a homage to uh, uh, Primoz Roglic and and, and and a kind of a homage to Kate because she she lost uh, uh, well today a rider as we know that she likes very much. And uh, so the, the the it's a song about rain. It, it's called Rhythm of the Rain by the Cascades, and it's a, a real nineteen you know end of the night of the fifties, beginning of the sixties kind of a, you know uh well boys group uh song and uh well well we'll we'll, we'll play out with that but uh, i wanted to just ask kate briefly are you looking forward to the rest day kate your first rest day on your first tour de france 
Yes, but there's not much rest because I have basically interviews slam packed from the very beginning of the day. So, yeah. Any interesting ones? Mate Mohoric. You're looking forward to that, aren't you? You like the Slovenians, don't you? Yes, I do. Are you gonna Are you gonna tackle Tare Pogacar in this tour? I mean, are you, you you've written this five thousand word feature for bicycling on Roglic, which uh, I've told everybody to read. I think a lot of people have read it. Um, I should also remind people that your writing will be in Pro Cycling magazine as well as on your own derailleur uh, blog. Um, but Pogacar, are you going to, you know, sort of do as an exhaustive a piece on him at some point? God, I hope so. That would be ideal, honestly. I mean, all of them. It's a fascinating country with fascinating culture and a fascinating history in cycling. There was a sorry side today, I, I dare say. There was a kind of a Slovenian corner, like that. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was crazy seeing, it was kind of sad seeing all the people out with like, you know, Roglic fla uh, flags and stuff, knowing that, you know, what we know. Uh, but at the same time, it's like great that so many people, including like friends of mine, like personal friends of mine who are Slovenian, both two, two different ones came out today to see this stage. So... Uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. And, uh, they love their cyclists and yeah, it's great. It's amazing. The energy is fantastic. Well, you've got more rich tomorrow. Let's play out with this song. Thank you, Francois. You're welcome. Thank you, Kate. Thank you. Listen to the rhythm of the falling rain and tell me just what a fool I've been. I wish that it would go and let me cry in vain And let me be alone again The only girl I care about has gone away Looking for a brand new start But little did she know that when she left that day Along with her she took my heart Rain, please tell me now that this seemed fair For her to steal my heart and know when she don't care I can't love another when my heart's somewhere far away The only girl I care about has gone away Looking for a brand new star But little does she know that when she left that day Along with her she took my heart Listen to the falling day Listen to the rain Listen Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.